0: In the epistle, St. Paul says, But above all these things have charity, which is the bond of perfection. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. There must have been, and still is, something very attractive about our blessed Lord. Something more than just philanthropy, that he was some sort of a nice man the good personality, there was something, in other words, so magnetic, so winning about him that men and women left a previous life of sin behind to follow him. His teaching, obviously, it went against the grain, so to speak, and condemned the very way of living Of these people and yet for all that they denied themselves. They took up that cross that our Lord talked about and they followed him. What was so winning about our Lord that made Nicodemus, who was a member of the Sanhedrin, remember that's a wealthy class of people, sort of like the Supreme Court of Israel, What made him give up his place of honor and to sneak away during that night into the poorer section of town, albeit, to meet with our Lord? What was it that made Zacchaeus, that unjust man that he was, to restore fourfold to anyone that he had defrauded, And then to follow Christ. What made Matthew, who had made a lot of money in cheating people, leave the tax collector's table to follow him? Or or Peter to leave his family? Or Magdalene to leave the streets? Something drew them all to our Lord. And still, To this day, 2,000 years after our Lord had left this earth, souls are still attracted to Christ through his mystical body, the Catholic Church. You know, this past week, some of you have already heard about it. You'll read about it in the bulletin. I was able to witness a, a true triumph of the sacred heart over a soul. I had never seen a case like this in all my 18 years as a priest. The woman is elderly, was raised a Protestant, Methodist to be exact, and yet was never baptized, not even in her Protestant sect. And she is now in her final days, lying on her deathbed. Well, almost out of the blue, she accepted to become Catholic. receive baptism and to receive a whole fresh start at age 78. She was as innocent as a newborn baby after baptism and since then she has received all the sacraments from confirmation to Holy Communion under Viaticum and extreme unction and the apostolic blessing and she has the brown scapular And she's been learning bits and pieces about the faith which she had accepted. Again, what is it that causes someone, after so many years, with so many preconceived notions and prejudices against our faith, what is it that causes them to hold our faith? Well, of course, it's always a matter of grace. God chooses whom he will, and he will offer grace to them that will move their will without violating free will to accept the faith. Of course, there's the fact that our Lord has given a gospel and a doctrine that is uplifting, that pulls us out of the mire of this world, that teaches and preaches that there is forgiveness of sins. For some, It is the mere thought of death that brings them into the faith. But what I always thought this past week, what attracts a soul which has never been exposed to the faith to investigate it as this woman on her deathbed? Well, St. Martin of Tours, he is an example of what I think brings people to the faith. So often it comes down to a single point. Do the people who profess to be Catholic follow in the footsteps of our Lord? Do they live up to their faith that they talk about with others? Well, here's the point. Most of us, if we're ready to admit it, sadly, we are satisfied, though with a little bit of sting of conscience, with simply avoiding what is absolutely forbidden. Avoiding what is sinful, at least mortally so. Always sort of looking for where that line is to see how far can I go, how close can I get to this line before I fall into mortal sin. And that is how Many of us go about our whole life. That is what the practice of our faith has been reduced to. It is, it is reduced to a thou shalt not type of religion. And who is attracted to a religion that only condemns when all of its adherents are always criticizing and condemning? But how many souls would be attracted to the faith if they saw much more generosity in Catholics? Here's some food for thought. The same thing which attracted souls to Christ in apostolic times attracts us to the lives of the saints. St. Martin of Tours, as I mentioned, his feast was yesterday. Did you know that he was said never, have to, been, never to have been angry? He, he was never heard to laugh out loud. Well, those things show his virtue, but they aren't really what's going to attract a convert to the faith. It is said that he never sat down in church except when the rubrics of the mass told him to. Otherwise, he was kneeling or standing for all of his prayers. But as edifying as that is, it still isn't enough to bring a convert to the faith. He bore unjust treatment well. There's a story of how when St. Martin was publicly treated very poorly by a man named Britius, that in response, St. Martin was extra kind and sweet To him and prayed for him all the time, and when he was asked how he put up with this man, his only response was this, well if Christ bore with Judas, why should I not bear with Britzius? A perfect answer. Now we're getting somewhere, but that's still not what we remember most about St. Martin. Oh, we know that he destroyed idolatrous temples and even worked miracles to convert their worshipers. Do you know the story about the tree? These men, they worshiped the forest and in this case a tree, a certain tree was considered to be sacred. And they said, well, they said to St. Martin, we ourselves will cut down the tree if, and if you can catch it before it hits the ground, we'll convert to the Catholic faith. They chopped away, and lo and behold, not only did Saint Martin catch the tree before it hit the ground, and it was a great big tree, but he then, with his own strength, well, obviously God's strength, he took the tree and flipped it back over, so it landed, pushed it all the way over to the other side. Those men converted, but no one remembers that story of Saint Martin what do people remember about St. Martin? They remember his work of mercy, his great act of charity. He was on his horse and all of his soldiers outfit with the beautiful cape and helmet and all. And he saw a poor beggar. It was a cold, snowy winter day. And the beggar had almost no clothes to cover him from the cold. So St. Martin took out his sword and cut off half of his cape to give to the poor beggar. Well, later that night, our Lord appeared to him in a dream and our Lord was surrounded with angels. He had come to praise St. Martin for his great charity. Martin, who is not yet baptized, has covered me with this. And for this selfless act of mercy, St. Martin is still celebrated today. What Christ showed St. Martin is this that whatever we do to another, Christ regards as done to himself. In the Catechism, uh, the Catechism explained it says that Christ lives in his people, so we must see God in our neighbor. St. Mary Magdalene of Pazzi, who was a great mystic, placed works of mercy even above prayer. And when you think about it, it makes sense. She says, when I engage in prayer, God helps me. But when I do good to my neighbor, I am helping God, for he regards what I do to my neighbor as done to him. That is exactly what our Lord showed St. Martin. I think that if we practiced the works of mercy more, it might actually attract people to our faith. Do you know the corporal and spiritual works of mercy? Feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, harbor the stranger and visit the sick, ransom the captive and bury the dead instruct the ignorant, counsel the doubtful, admonish sinners, bear wrongs patiently, and forgive offenses willingly, comfort the afflicted, and pray for the living and the dead. Now all that that's been said, let's be practical. Part of what attracted souls to Christ was his compassion his supernatural charity, which was absolutely selfless. He fed the hungry. You can read about it in the gospel. He was always counseling the doubtful and consoling the afflicted. He instructed the ignorant, and he prayed for souls his whole life long. And yes, he ransomed the captive by his very own blood. This week, let's imitate Christ's compassion, review, I hope all of you will, review the works of mercy, study them, teach your children by both word and example the importance of these works, that one day we will be judged not only in what we've failed to do, but the good that we left undone. It's in the gospel as well. Put these things into practice, these works of mercy. Pray especially for the departed. You're already doing that, I hope, for November. But maybe, just maybe, each one of you could go and visit the sick. You're wondering how to do that. Well, I don't know anyone who's sick or in a hospital or nursing home. Well, move outside of your little box, your comfort zone. You don't have to know anyone that's sick or ailing. It's an act of charity. Go out to a nursing home that you pass by regularly and just pop in on someone. Find out from the front desk, is there anyone here that is Catholic, maybe, or even not Catholic, that doesn't have anyone to visit them? And just stop by with a little sacramental and a flower, and say hello. You never know where an act of mercy like that will go. So, no more towing the line to see how much you can get away with. From now on, let us be generous Catholics, always going out and about, looking for opportunities to do good, because someone's soul may actually need it. May God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost. Amen.